Follow Without Warning Podcast Season 3, Investigation Derailed with Sheila Waisaki on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. With Aaron and his parents off to the emergency room, Katie's mother, father, and Aaron's sister, Amy, were left with the heartbreaking task of selecting a casket for Katie and her babies. Once that was done and a burial plot chosen, Vicki believed she would be able to start grieving without arguments and distractions. She thought back to the day before when they had met at the funeral home to plan the service for Aiden, River, and Katie. Well, what I remember is Aaron left and then pretended he hurt his hand and they left. So that part is we got to actually pick out the coffin and the cemetery site. So that was a huge blessing. So that part was okay. They took him for x-rays at the hospital on his hand. Aaron Major's mother, Rhonda, called me that day, later in the day. I probably purposely didn't answer with what we were dealing with, but she left me a message and said that he had broken his hand and that he had a concussion, but there was no fluid leakage is what she said. Or we believed right from the beginning because we seen them fake the scene on the floor. The dad walks in and somehow sits on him saying, I guess he broke his finger. You know, Katie's dad had to walk out. He was just so mad. They, we knew they were faking it. So we just, we knew he hurt himself with whatever happened with Katie, you know, with the fight that when whatever pursued, but, you know, we didn't know if he got hurt by throwing her into the train or, you know, a physical fight at the house and he fell down the stairs. We didn't know. He, we were hoping, you know, did he punch her? We didn't know. But we always related the two things, the concussion and broken hand to whatever he did to Katie and River. One of the detectives told us, don't let Aaron know you suspect him because he might hire a lawyer. So we had to play this out and pretend, you know, we're not noticing all this stuff. And we just kept taking notes and hoping the police were doing their job. There would be no more talk of a private funeral that only Aaron could attend and no more disturbing behavior that Vicki was starting to believe was an act to cover up. What? She couldn't bear to think that this had all been anything but an accident. Hours before she had lost her beloved daughter, granddaughter, and grandson-to-be, she'd had so little sleep she was barely able to think straight. It was so hard to make sense of everything that was happening. But she made it through another day, but she prayed the next day wouldn't be as hard. How could it be, she thought to herself. But things did not improve the next day. Vicki was horrified to find out that Aaron was insisting that Aiden, at 20 weeks gestation, should be displayed lying on top of Katie. Vicki had never heard of such a thing and couldn't understand why Aaron 
would want to display a child that would only be as long as a dollar bill and likely wouldn't even weigh one pound. She pleaded with Aaron to let Aiden stay as he had been before this tragedy had unfolded, unborn, still cradled in his mother's womb. Neither Vicki nor Jeff, Katie's dad, could understand their son-in-law's behavior. He was adamant Aaron did this. He was adamant at the odd behavior. You know, all the odd things. Aaron said he accidentally checked a box on Rivers. You know, all this stuff. You know, how would he know Aaron's finger's broken? And that's ended up what I understand. It was his finger that was broken. How would his dad know his finger's broken? And we've got that in statements between me and Jeff from all them years ago, what he said. With that fight won, it was time to view Katie and Rivers' bodies in their casket, a task that no mother wants to ever do. Other families went before Vicki as she sat paralyzed. While her own mother wept loudly, Jeff, Katie's father, and Vicki's brother, Ken, helped her walk to the casket. We went to the funeral home. I had no idea how I'd ever walk into the room to see them. I had no idea how I'd ever find the strength. So I sat down on a bench outside the room. I could hear my mom in there just crying and weeping and weeping. My brother Ken was there, who's always been, you know, we've always been so close, and Katie's dad. But I was left alone for a time, and Aaron came to me. And he hugged me, but then his mom showed up like around the corner and walked. And then he acted like he didn't know who I was. Like whenever his mom was around, he acted like he didn't know us as didn't know who we were. It was really odd. Like he didn't want his mom to see him affiliating with us. Like all of a sudden he didn't know who we were, but he came and hugged me. I don't remember him saying anything. He just hugged me, seen me sitting there by myself, knowing what I'm going to have to go do, somehow find the strength. I didn't know how I would, and I didn't think I could even do it. And um, he just hugged me, and his mom came around, and then he just, like, you know, like, didn't want his mom to see him see him near me. And that was it. So that was the viewing. It was the private family viewing first, so it was just immediate family, and then all the other people were coming later, you know. My brother and Katie's dad each got on one side of me and one, you know, one on each side holding my arm and just helped me walk in and see them laying in the casket. It was just, you know, horrible, just unbelievable. There's the love and stuff, but, you know, you're just like, this can't be real. This makes no sense. It just never made any sense. Why are they here? What happened? I don't even know where my husband or my brother were exactly, except I know they they helped me walk in there because I could I really couldn't even barely walk. All Vicky could think was that she did not want this to be real. Surely it was a bad dream. She pleaded with God to make it not be real, but it was real. Her baby and her baby's babies were gone and it was time to say her goodbye to them. Gazing at her daughter's face, she marveled that there were no scratches or visible injuries. 
That seemed so strange to her when the police were saying that they believed Katie had committed suicide by purposefully getting hit by a train. Why wasn't anything making sense? I can't imagine how Vicki made it through that day. I work with a lot of moms who barely can function and get out of bed and say goodbye to their loved ones. It is the hardest day of their lives. No mother should ever go through something like that. Like all the other mothers I work with, Vicki made it through with some special help. No, you know, faith in God. Well, I can tell you the real story of what's always carried me through this, if you want, but I'm getting off subject. How I got through this is faith in God, but mainly was the night we found out they were dead, and this is Thursday night, and I'm in my home in the same room I was in then, and my daughter Sarah was sitting on the couch, and I, all I know is I was circling and pacing in a total daze. I just found out hours prior they were dead. My mom was in one of the back bedrooms laying down. And I'm just pacing in front of two doors that I have that look out over a pond. And I look out there and there's a cross on my pond, a big cross. You know, and it's just like, I'm like, Sarah, come look at this. But before I said, Sarah, come look at this, I heard in my head, People may think I'm crazy, but I heard three words. I've got them. And I have held on to that and held on to that and held on to that. And then Sarah came. She saw the cross. It was like almost, you know, it was a light, but it would had never seen nothing like that before. I think God knew we needed something. And um, we would go there every night. And we'd look out there and it never came back. And it didn't need to because, you know, I told Sarah what I heard. It. I said, God just told me he's got that. So, and then before that, I didn't know, but my, my brother, one of my brothers, Jimmy, and my son, Jeremy, had left the house. And it might have been even a month later. It was some time later. And when I was telling the story, they said, we saw that cross when we were leaving. We saw it. So kind of as a family, we've all held on that God told us he's got him and he even put a cross on the pond and it's never come back. So, you know, at my darkest moments, I would go there and I would remember he's got them. And he knew I needed that because it was a lot of dark, dark moments, days, months, years, still now. When it was in such a blur when it happened, I was I don't really remember nothing, but I was pacing and circling in a blur. And then, you know, it's like God just grabbed a hold of me and said, so that's what I've always gone back to. Unsurprisingly, hundreds of people came to pay their respects to the family. Katie was loved by so many people. It was a welcome distraction to talk to them to thank them for their support. They spoke lovingly of their memories of Katie and what a wonderful mother she was. She hadn't been a nervous new mom at all because she had always loved to help care for her younger siblings. She thrived on providing the best care she could for River. 
It was a small comfort to relive the good memories and to hear how Katie had impacted people's lives. It was good to hear people say what a good person and wonderful mother Katie was. Even during the events, the majors were throwing dirt on Katie. Yes, I believe we were all supposed to meet at the funeral home at 11 o'clock in the morning. And they were late. And their reason for being late, they said they were reading on postpartum depression. And they had, you know, five, 10 papers and Rhonda Major handed it to me and said, read this. This is what your daughter had. This is what Katie had. I never read them. Vicki's anxiety was starting to feel a little lighter when she overheard Aaron's father, David, wondering aloud if Katie had been taking LSD supplied by one of Vicki's brothers. She was shocked. How could anyone be so cruel as to say such a thing at a visitation service? Katie's toxicology report wouldn't come back for weeks, but when it did, it showed that Katie had no illegal drugs in her system. So why would anyone feel the need to publicly defame Katie at the funeral home, barely three days after she had been found dead? It had to be the viewing because that's when most of the talking, people were moving around talking and my brother, Michael, told me, he said, Vicki, David's over there talking that maybe Katie was doing LSD. And I remember also he told me that he's talking about what kind of truck Aaron's going to get, what kind of nice big truck Aaron's going to get. Monday dawned as Vicki knew it eventually would. It was the day she would have to see Katie, River, and Aiden laid to rest. She arrived early at the funeral home to say a private goodbye. Even that seemed like it might not be granted to her. She remembers that Rhonda confronted her. So we get to the funeral home and it's the private family's viewing. And from what I remember, we even had to fight to be able to do that. But we got to get into the back room and this is when they're going to close the casket, which is, you know, just horrible. So there is like at least 20 of us, a lot of us. And as soon as we come in, Rhonda comes and says, Aaron, right away to me. And my sister's by me. And she said, Aaron wants to be alone when the casket's closed. I probably didn't say anything because I'm like, there ain't no way in hell I'm going to let him be alone and I'm not going to be with my daughter and grandchildren. That makes no sense. So again, he kept hogging the casket. He kept being over the casket, you know, and people, my, you know, my mom's there, Katie's grandma. We're, we're very close family and they're all trying to go say their goodbyes. And I, I sat down in a chair. I had gotten a little bit of time up there and with my mom. And then I sat down and Aaron's up at the casket and his mom comes in and points her finger right in my face and bends over in my face and said, Aaron said he wanted this time alone. You need to leave him and go out of here. And I just looked at her because I was ready. I said, then you better call the police. 
I said, because you're going to have to have me drug out of here by the police because I'm not leaving. I am not leaving. And then I know I looked over and I said something to Aaron. I said, Aaron, do you have a problem with being me being in here? And he just kind of shook his head no. So, you know, it was pretty much over. But I know I looked up and I said, Katie, I know you're so proud of me because I stood up to her, you know. But it was pretty shocking. Aaron should have came and said, Vicki, I don't want you in here. I just need this private time. Now, that would have been a little different if he could have explained it to me. And then maybe I would have said, well, then I want my private time. But at that point, I didn't trust Aaron alone with the bodies. I'm just being honest. I didn't. All the stuff with Aiden, you know, so I stayed in there to the end. But Aaron just kind of hovered over the casket, you know. And then right before the casket closed, he turned around and looked at me, Aaron did, and said, Vicki. Aiden looks just like River and wanted me to come look at Aiden. And I said, Aaron, I'm going to remember Aiden, you know, as he should be as an unborn child and the real weird look in his eye again and how he could think Aiden looked like River when Aiden was 20 weeks, you know, so it was just strange The funeral itself was also not without its issues. By now, Vicki had stopped expecting anything to go as it should. You know, we had to go straight into accepting the people that wanted to come for the viewing. So we had to go stand inside and and they were in there. Um, They kind of sat off on one side and we were on the other, but there was only a few of them, you know. Um, So, you know, Rhonda was all in charge. Like she had everything set up, pictures of Katie around the casket. It was all Aaron's and Katie's getting married pictures, wedding pictures. They kept playing the wedding music. That's all they played was the same songs that were played at the wedding. You know, I had to fight with them all them kind of things like what songs could be played at the funeral and um but yeah they they had the wedding pictures is what they had around the casket we were allowed to have pictures as they came in a certain door and then they had all the wedding pictures around the casket like Rhonda had it all where everything had to be and you know I'm kind of in a daze just happy to be standing on my feet but um Um, So I remember that when I came in, all the pictures of Katie around the casket from when she got married, Aaron, like guarding the casket, like didn't want people to go up there. People were uncomfortable to go up there because he's right there. You know, he didn't, he didn't greet anybody, didn't talk to anybody, didn't let anybody hug him, nothing, you know. Um, in some ways I felt bad for him because I'm still in this stage of trying to accept, you know, the fact that I believe he did this and someone that I loved as my son. Cause he had nobody there, you know, his mom, his sister and his dad and a couple aunts. That's all that was there. And I remember him eating, having a big thing of Coke, eating, sitting down and eating right there. I remember you know, Rhonda didn't come and give me a hug or not. And she was cold from day one, extremely cold, just cold. 
Um, I don't remember David ever coming near me. I was just broken hearted. You know, I was just broken hearted. I was never ugly to them. I was just shocked how they were treating us. I was just totally shocked how they were treating us. And I remember thinking, my God, if this would have been Aaron, we would have never treated them like this. I couldn't understand, you know, you're dealing with all the shocks and you got a lot of them. And then you got them who you knew for 10 years, just being so strange, even though they were always a little strange, this was really strange. Some of this may have been some phone calls setting up, you know, um, but I, I had to, I wanted a few songs at the funeral. I ended up only getting to select one because Aaron, I think got two, you know, that was all the songs they'd let us do was three, but, you know, I had to fight for the songs. I wasn't going to get any, but then I was able to get one and I did amazing grace, but it was just such a, such a struggle and a fight to, this was her family too. You know, we were willing to share, but it was like, we weren't allowed to hardly be a part of anything. Who was making the decisions, Aaron or his mother? I felt like Rhonda. Everybody was in shock. Everybody that knew Katie, you know, everybody's just sitting there in shock and grieving and sad. And then they're just acting no emotion at all, just cold. And Was it so long that Aaron hadn't eaten in days or was it just it's time for dinner and let's go have a Big Mac? It seemed like she kept wanting to feed him. And even at when we we're making funeral reasons, I seen she brought him a, a on Saturday, a, a big drink, a soda and a banana. Like she kept, you know, got to feed Aaron. Nobody was feeding. None of us could eat. You know, nobody else was worried about eating. There was nobody eating. You know, I can't even imagine any. That's why it was so odd. He had all day to eat if he was that hungry. Or, you know, go outside, you don't feel good and sit in your car and eat a minute or something. But it was just, it was uncomfortable. Did anybody else say anything to y'all about it? Or was it just something that y'all talked later? No, you know, everybody just was coming and we were all kind of lined up. And I stayed standing up so I could greet and talk to people and no, I could see that, you know, people were uncomfortable. I got some people to write statements later of how they felt and stuff, trying to get up to the casket or, you know, with Aaron. And where was his mother at that time? Was she next to Aaron or yeah, where was she, she? She stayed by Aaron. I don't remember the dad sitting down by Aaron. So they were centered in front of the casket area and we were more off to the left. But his dad mainly he stood up you know he I didn't I don't remember his dad ever sitting down there I don't remember Katie and Aaron had attended Point North Community Church in Monk's Corner they met in a building that was previously the home of the local Walmart Katie was active in a class the church had for mothers with young children so she could meet new friends. It would have been a natural choice to have Pastor Cal Wood from Point North preach Katie's funeral, but even that could not be simple. Aaron claimed that Point North Community Church was part of a conspiracy that was preparing the way for the Antichrist. 
Vicky had never heard him say anything so crazy before, except for the night he showed up at her house in the wee hours of the morning, and this nightmare began for Vicky. Aaron's family wanted Pastor Fritz Young to conduct the services. A compromise was reached, and both pastors played a part in this final memorial to three lives lost too soon. I'm trying to remember when we, you know, finalized a few things. It must have been some phone calls, maybe with the funeral home, because then there was the arguments about the pastor. He didn't want our pastor. He wanted someone I never heard of. We as a family for Katie stood our ground and our pastor would be doing the funeral. So we ended up having two pastors speak at the funeral home, the one they selected and the one we selected, which is very odd. But, you know, this guy we never heard of, Fritz Young, Aaron's grandfather, I have found out, you know, through the years, which actually honestly just found out two years ago that Fritz Young was mentored by Aaron's grandfather. Did he have any connection with Katie? None, zero. None with our family. We never heard of him. He's the same pastor when Rhonda Major called me that morning, Friday morning, the next day after we found out their dad. And she said that Pastor Fritz said, you don't have to answer the detective's questions. That's the first time I ever heard his name in my whole life. I'm not sure he did or if Rhonda made it up. You know, I'm just not sure from what I understand on some questioning that Jessica did, he said he never said that. Family and friends gathered at Vicky's home later that evening. Vicky was still struggling to make sense of everything that happened in the past four days. It didn't seem possible to Vicky that it had only been four days since her world turned upside down. Erin eventually came to the house and Katie's aunt and uncle gently probed him, asking questions that hopefully didn't let on that the family wasn't quite buying his story anymore. Yeah, so I remember that after the funeral, we were all sitting around talking because Aaron just showed up. We didn't know he was coming, but we were glad he did so we could try to pull stuff out of him. And I had my brothers there, my sister, you know, we were re- were re-recording him and he didn't know. So we weren't trying to be confrontational. We we're just trying to pull anything we could out of him without him getting suspicious. So we didn't want to confront or, you know, get him to shut up. We were just trying to get him comfortable and say whatever you want to say, Aaron. Out of the blue, Aaron told everyone that he had three choices to carry on with his life. He said he had enough money that he could choose not to work for a while. He could expand his business or he could move away. Katie, River, and Aiden had been dead for only four days. And Aaron seemed to have already spent quite a bit of time planning his future without them. All of a sudden, he starts talking like he had his whole life planned out already. And he says, yeah, I could keep working or I could move out of town. I have enough money. I don't even have to work for a while. 
but he had three options and, you know, he's trying to figure out what he's going to do for the rest of his life or actually, you know, how to start tomorrow with his life. But he doesn't mention, you know, I just lost my whole family and I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, we didn't even know how we get through the next minute, let alone be planning what we're going to do the rest of our lives of, you know, Oh, wow. I got enough money. I might not even have to work or we couldn't even think like that. It was really shocking. It was almost like it had been planned ahead of time in order to have them thoughts. How would you even have them thoughts already? That you already know you got three options. His only option should have been, I don't know how I'm going to survive without my family. How am I going to emotionally survive the next minute? That's how we were. And after he said that, which was weird, he started looking around like this and getting paranoid because there was a couple old movie cameras around. And like, they recording me? I remember, you know, so we had to be careful and just, all we wanted him to do is talk and hoping he would make a mistake. And And we still don't know if he didn't make some mistakes. We think he did. Once Vicki got past the viewing and the funeral, these last final acts she could perform for her lost loved ones, she turned her attention to getting answers. She asked the authorities for some information on when and how Katie had died. But the coroner who succeeded Salisbury, Coroner Rhodes, gave Vicki news that would change the way she saw everything about Katie's death. She was told there was a life insurance policy on Katie. What I was told later by the coroner, uh, uh, Coroner Rhodes, he told me there was. He told me, this is after I found out it was ruled a suicide, I'm really questioning it. And he said they ruled it a suicide. This is what Coroner Rhodes told me. So that Aaron could not get his life insurance on Katie is the reason they ruled it a suicide. And the reason they ruled River undetermined was so that he couldn't get River's life insurance. He said, Vicki, we don't want anybody else doing what he did. And that's what he told me. He said, if we rule it a suicide, he can't collect on Katie. If we rule it undetermined on River, he can't collect. And he made me think while they're investigating and doing their job, they're going to rule it that way so he can't collect in life insurance. Well, now we know they weren't doing anything. They just ruled it that way. But that's what I was told. Corner Rhodes is deceased. Um, He was the most help. But Bill Salisbury is the one that handled this case, not Corner Rhodes. Um, But he was the most helpful. If I couldn't get a phone call returned from Captain Rick Olick. I learned I just call Corner Rose and for some reason Rick Olick would call me in five minutes where I'd been waiting for two months. Without warning podcast, season three investigation derailed. Executive director, executive producer, and host, Sheila Wysocki, and announcer, Tim Evans. Thank you to Lori Morrison of the podcast, The Unlovely Truth. Thank you to Danielle Birch, Chelsea Sarkowskis, and private investigator Jenny Moore for their boots-to-the-ground, passionate, laser-focused research. 